0: This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation.
1: Welcome to Shrink Chicks. Welcome back to Shrink Chicks. <laughs> I'm Jen. And I am Em. And we have an amazing, all right, we're semi-obsessed with our guests today. Obsessed. Which we typically always love every person we bring on, but this person is, I think, particularly cool. Yeah, we're really excited. Okay, and we wish you could, we could meet you in person. But, well, that's the thing that sucks about this is we don't, is that like the virtual, it's okay, but it's still not the same. I'd like right. to give you a big hug. Helen feeling how are you? Hello, I'm great, I'm so excited to be here. Okay, so Helen feeling is amazing. Um, she is a body neutral Pilates instructor. She just launched her amazing virtual app um, because in this day and age, we wanna be able to connect with our bodies even when we can't physically connect in person. Um, so Helen, give us, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Totally, so the, I'm trying to condense my, my life into a few sentences. <laughs> Uh, so I'm obviously a fitness professional now, but I got here by way of professional dance. I was a dancer uh, in my early 20s and I studied dance very seriously all growing up. And I dealt with a lot of disordered eating for, honestly, as long as I can remember. I, I can't really like go back to a time where that wasn't on top of mind. Um, so when, but- and, now,
1: and I'm wondering, was that just normalized with dance culture?
2: yes i mean to the we everyone no one would encourage it like outright but it was very much um like tongue-in-cheek implied like even um i had a a college professor once like explaining like a piece of choreography that involved like a body roll that sort of looked like like you were gagging almost and she called it like oh this is our bulimic ballerina move oh my yeah yeah look it just so it it was very underhanded and People would compare tips, like all the stuff that you see in like, you know, the, the dance movies and all that, that, that was, that's pretty accurate. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) And so, and then, so at what point did you start making this shift for yourself?
2: So I became a little bit disenchanted with just the industry auditioning and and performing became very taxing because I was in such a a low self-worth state. So my resilience muscles were not really uh, up to snuff for how how tough you have to be in that world, and I transitioned over into Pilates, which I had done these certifications, like truly just to be my my day job because I was sick of waitressing. It wasn't. I never really considered it to be you know a, a career. And as I got deeper and deeper into it, I I like to call this like my my like limbo phase or my halfway phase through my recovery where. I, I stopped, uh, you know, restricting or, uh, purging in the obvious ways, but I got really into orthorexia and Mm -hmm. super like being as well, quote, uh, as possible. Like anything that was not clean with, like gave me anxiety. I, I was, I once had a panic attack in a whole food, whole foods in the produce section, like calculating all the macros of Mm -hmm. lettuce, (laughs) Lettuces yeah, yeah. in my head. So was very much still stuck in that thought loop. And then I, I moved in with my partner and it became a little bit harder to, uh, you know, write these behaviors off as, oh, she's just conscious of her health and, and all of that, especially because my partner's French. So there's a very mm-hmm. different mindset with food. It's all about the pleasure. It's yeah. all about the enjoying of it. And so I decided to go back to therapy and I discovered cognitive behavioral therapy and somatic experiencing. And, you know, it took time, but it blew my mind and totally changed my life. And I noticed all the ways in which I was speaking to clients that was reinforcing all the stuff that I was trying to unpack from my own life. And I really didn't like that. So I started changing the way that I talked about movement in my classes and I started to get really, I started to really notice when other instructors were not, you know, on that same path mm-hmm. and felt how triggering it was. Obviously, I may be extra sensitive as someone who's dealt with disordered eating for many, many years, but even for someone, and truthfully, I don't know, any, any woman, especially who hasn't had any hint of disordered eating, yeah, right. um, it, it, it's harmful to everyone, no matter what your history is with that so i became so, uh, very passionate about it and
1: well, and it's so interesting because like so for for anyone listening who doesn't know ortho- ex- orthorexia is like the extreme focus on health, like only clean eating and it, and it's, it can become very rigid and obsessive. Right. Mm -hmm. So we fool ourselves into thinking it's not as bad because it's restricting and it's about health, but mentally it's just as damaging. And socially it's supported in a lot of ways. right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, It's normalized. And so it's celebrated. Yeah. Look how healthy she is. Right. 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 And so I think there's this thing where it's so easy to get away with. And also, I think for so long, the way we have displayed eating disorders is that traditional anorexic you know, on a feeding tube situation. So if you didn't fit into that, you weren't worthy of recovery. Right.
0: And Helen, you were talking about how like language, like changing your language when you were working with clients was really important. Is there anything like any specific type of language that you really worked on? Like things that you would say to clients that you changed or things that you would notice that other um, instructors would be saying to clients that might be triggering?
2: Totally, I mean, the most obvious one is the relationship to like fat burning and mm-hmm. and and working off food or or working off body parts and I, I feel like that's just a super disembodied way of creating a relationship with movement. It totally disconnects people from okay. their bodies, which mm-hmm. is unhealthy and something that took a long time for me to feel like even as a professional Performing artist very disconnected from my body how to how to get back in there and not be so like dissociated uh, But so definitely making sure that the the language that I use to talk about bodies is is neutral For, for lack of a better word oh, yeah. that I, 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 I cue very anatomically um, also because I think it's it's helpful for us to learn about our bodies and there's a lot of interesting evidence that shows us that you know the more when you cue The muscle that you're working and tell the person where they should feel it, they'll experience it more fully, which is going to increase their mindfulness benefits from it. Mm -hmm. But it's also making the activation and like the exercise itself way more effective. Mm -hmm. So I always make sure that I tell people, you know, I get them into an exercise. I'm like, okay, you should be feeling this in your glutes at the very base of them where they become your hamstrings so that they could bring their their visualization and their awareness to that area. And they're getting double stronger there mm-hmm. uh, and they're practicing this connectedness and intuneness with their body.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's so interesting, right? Cause when you talk about this thing about the fitness instructors and probably something so many of us have done, I always notice this, you know, if you, for our listeners, you know, I am in recovery myself. I have spent many years in recovery, but it's such a long, like mm-hmm. nuanced thing to notice the details. And like this, actually this year was the first year that I noticed a ton of people putting up stuff on holidays saying like, fitness instructors, just a reminder, please don't tell people to earn that meal, right? Yes. Like, and, yes. and how difficult holidays are for some people with disordered eating and with rigid food beliefs, right? The idea of Thanksgiving, every, like there's so many people that feel like they need to work out that morning to right. earn that meal that night. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and how sad to take away this experience, well, actually, in general, Thanksgiving is pretty fucked up. Right, I mean, we sold, but I mean, <laughs> there's a lot I mean, going on there. I mean, we sold yes. a bunch of land, killed and raped a bunch of people, but you know, just go with me on the cultural aspects of this, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is, once again, fuck Columbus. Also, but, like,
0: I, um, I, I, I love like Thanksgiving food. No,
1: it's garbage, but um, but, garbage. You know, but what I'm saying, right, is like this bigger thing of like how triggering holidays can be and how there's been, I think. For many studios, for a long time, they profited off of the diet culture around it, where they would do um, sales and gimmicks and different bring a friend to Thanksgiving class. And I mean, I fell for it for every time.
0: <laughs> their, I mean, their, their marketing is pretty incredible.
1: It is fabulous, right? And this was a time where I lived a little too close to Flywheel. yeah right? I remember Remember that? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it is. It's just so easy to feel like, okay, well, if I get there that morning right and then in the whole time the class the instructors were saying it yeah oh look at you earning this thing right so like what an amazing thing and this is something that we talk about a lot which is you know you don't have to love your body a body can just be a body right yes just have it neutral and so Helen it sounds like you're doing this in such a cool fucking way man
2: well I appreciate that a lot
0: We are so excited to share our newest sponsor with you all, Hungry Root. Hungry Root is the easiest way to get fresh, high quality groceries and simple, healthy recipes delivered to your door. The team at Hungry Root just sent me a new box full of amazing stuff. It was literally like I was opening a present, going through it, seeing what was inside and trying everything was just so thrilling. In my Hungry Root box was chicken salad, veggies, dumplings, shakes, cookies, and so much more. My favorite thing I tried was the drum roll donuts. I highly recommend them. The ordering process could could not have been more simple. You take a fun, short quiz, and Hungry Root will get to know your personal health goals, what you like to eat, the kitchen appliances you use, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all of your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to good use. Hungry Root will recommend recipes and groceries based on your personal tastes, but each order is fully customizable. Take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high quality meat and seafood, pantry staples, health snacks, sweets, ready to eat meals, and much more. Hungry Root has made my daily meal prep so much easier. The mental load of grocery shopping is exhausting and Hungry Root gives me back that mental energy. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. When bloggers or influencers post their outfit links nine times out of 10, I click on it and immediately exit because the price is bananas. It wasn't until recently that I clicked on something expecting it to be the usual out of my price range sweater and it was under $60 at Quince. Quince has become my ultimate destination for luxury essentials that won't break the bank. Let me tell you about some of the gems I found at Quince. From their 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters starting at just $50, to their washable silk tops and dresses, organic cotton sweaters, and stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, Quince offers a range of high quality items at prices that are truly within reach. And here's the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Yes, you heard that right, by partnering directly with top factories quince cuts out the middleman passing the savings on to us i recently got my hands on one of their washable silk tops and let me tell you it has become a staple in my wardrobe not only is it incredibly versatile i've worn it to work out with friends and even dressed it up for a date night but the quality is unmatched give yourself the luxury you deserve with quince go to quince.com slash shrink chicks for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns that's q-u-i-n-c-e.com slash shrink chicks to get free shipping and 300 Sixty-five day returns quince.com slash shrink chicks
2: but i mean going back to what you're saying about about holidays holidays too in addition to that like we pick up a lot of our interesting we could we can call it food beliefs from our parents too so it's like a really messy yeah <laughs> like um, combination of things that are all working together but also related that i i I've been furious about with lately because I am recently engaged, although I guess not so recently anymore. It feels like, I don't know what time is anymore. Well, congratulations. Congratulations. (laughs) What day is it? No one knows. No one knows. (laughs) What a time to be a Corona bride. But yeah, right, so what's about fucking sweating for the wedding, this bullshit? Yes. Oh my God, yeah. And I obviously have a lot of friends in the fitness industry as I've been working in it in a long time. And- You know, back in March, last time I was at a a class in person, I, I like snapped at a friend who was like, oh, I can see we're like on that wedding diet. And I was like, I'm absolutely not. I'm working on getting stronger for me. So keep it to yourself. You know, and and you hear that, right? And you hear that, you hear
0: that, you do unfortunately hear that a lot amongst like friendships where people are like, oh, you know, have you lost weight? Like, have you? And every time I hear that in conversation, I'm like cringing.
2: Yes. And I've definitely been there. I've definitely. I definitely guilty of doing it, you know, before oh, I evolve doing it
1: and receiving it, right? Like yeah. How and a lot of and for the most part, it's us trying to connect with others, right? Like it's not done in this horrible way, right? And it just
0: comes, it it like comes out without yes. even thinking about yes. it. Yes. Um, but, but to know how, how much language can really affect us and infiltrate us and, mm-hmm. um, the way we see ourselves that, that we're getting this praise for, um, you know, our, how our bodies look in some way that like weight ends up being so much more important. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and especially from a fitness
1: instructor, right? Like these people that we could kind of like idealize, right. They're in this like power
2: position. Yes. And I've heard people say to family members growing up in dance, pointing out dancers that aren't maybe the what you think of as the ideal dance body and, and criticizing them, pulling them apart. I think a lot of, a lot of what I personally experienced was not, uh, you know, like attacks on my own body, but praise for looking a certain way and mm-hmm. feeling pressure to maintain looking that way.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: also watching the judgments of other people. Right. And, and then, you know, absorbing that as fact when it's it's all conditioning that we've, we've picked up. And I, talking about language, I think it's so interesting that somehow along the way, we've made fat this pejorative word when it's something that we all have and yes. some of us have more of it. It's just, it's part of bodies and the, there's some really cool new studies coming out because of the health of every, at every size movement that, that show us that you know we, the country keeps talking about obesity obesity is an american epidemic because of heart disease and diabetes but really it's we're starting to find out that it's the stigma the men, uh, that affects your mental health of living in a larger body that's causing the stress and cortisol and inflammation in bodies that turn into disease it doesn't really have anything to do with the fat at all Absolutely right, and the, and this just part right. We talk about the
1: BMI that was made in the eighteen hundreds. Mm-hmm. That shit is not accurate in any way. One, and also by a white male. Yep. So we talk, about, we talk about like the the um, health at every size movement has been a bit commandeered by white women, which all mm-hmm. you know, which we are. So it's okay for us to like not center ourselves and identify that it's a problematic system, which we're mm-hmm. all a part of.
2: Totally, uh, and I. I touched on this when we were chatting before getting on the call that it's been something that's been top of mind for me to dive deeper into research wise as a practitioner and a book that, I mean, I'll send you all these resources that I I love of course later, but a book that I've been fascinated with and it's, it's heavy and so, so good. It's called fearing the black body about the, the racial origins of fat phobia. And I think it's, it's such an interesting way that to, add in and rem- remember that we pick up these beliefs from somewhere and we don't need to continue carrying them on with us
1: absolutely, absolutely. And, and wait so helen so oh we know what we'll do so for our book of the week we're gonna have to do yes. helen's book list yeah but also have you, but, um, my other favorite is the body is not an apology i haven't read that one yet um, but i've heard really good things it's really really fabulous and it's interesting like this whole idea about where it's just all so much deeper than where we think it is oh yeah
0: and and if you think about it too like when you're going through puberty and you're going to the doctor they put you on a chart it's horrible and saying like oh you fall in this you know and and you're overweight or you're Mm -hmm. and and the way in which like professionals talk to your adolescent adolescent self you're uncomfortable already you're developing um and it sticks with you yeah absolutely
1: which is crazy because we have actual research that shows it is healthier to be 70 pounds overweight than five pounds underweight oh yeah
2: That's right so- and how-, how radical like everyone just soak I- that in for a second Yeah, like it is literally healthier to be.
1: And when I keep saying overweight, you can't see me, but I have quotations. It's because once again, weight is like this fucking made up thing by the Mm -hmm. BMI, which shows you how inaccurate it is. Mm -hmm. And we can become obsessed with it. But here's the thing what we still want movement is still good for us. Right. Yes. And it's hard because then we get a really negative it, it's really hard when you are especially if you're working through disordered eating if you're working on body image like how does movement work into that? So let's talk about joyful and attention and, and
2: intentional mm-hmm. movement. Absolutely. This is, you know, my bread and butter. Mm-hmm. I obviously like I started dancing from a very young age, so movement is built in for me to be a a joyful experience, but I think it's, it's so fascinating to be backgrounds growing up or any, any sort of, you know, practice that they ever resonate with. And so it's really hard for them to connect exercise as something that is a pleasant thing rather than punishment, because again, all that marketing has, has taught us that it's, it's a way to compensate for something that we ate or for not feeling we're worthy enough in the body that we are already in so for that you know if someone's not already my client I always say try a lot of different stuff because you're not gonna necessarily like the same type of workout that your best friend likes even if you you like going to classes together and you might be more of a a boot camp person or a cycling person I'm obviously a personally a Pilates person, but I do I do like to sweat, and I think that you know my athletic dance background has definitely permeated the way that I teach, in that I I have always found that there seems to be like two camps of, of fitness where it's like really shameful boot campy pain is weakness leaving the body, or you know we're just going to breathe and sit in a circle, and you know. Hand to heart, which is lovely, but it feels like it always felt like to me there needed to be a middle ground where we're getting stronger, Mm -hmm. we're feeling empowered in how strong we're getting. The workout is hard, and that's helping us build resilience, and it's still kind to your brain. So,
1: and and one of the things I really love Pilates for is postpartum, yes, it's one public floor. And like, I think you know, I really talk so much, I work a ton with uh, mothers and how your body feels after having a baby. It's very different, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of us have a weakened pelvic floor or had some difficulty, I mean, especially if you had a C-section. And so what an amazing way to be neutral, especially postpartum, to re-become friends with your body and make it strong.
2: Yeah, I think I'm not a mother myself, but I do work with a lot of prenatal postpartum clients. And something that I'm repeatedly talking to them about is, you know, first of all, you don't need to bounce back. You don't need sure. to have the body you had before, baby, because your life is now different. You are a different person. You're, you've done the most insane, hard, like, wonderful thing that a, a person can do. And your life, you have a new life now. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's,
0: that's like a huge marketing tactic, too, that people use. Too. Like, get
2: your body back. Oh get my back back
0: to, to where... But that is an impossible feat. Totally. It's it's a setup for failure. It's a setup for failure. And it's a setup to continue to pay for these, um, systems that, and and we're saying, okay, well, why aren't I getting my back work harder? Yeah. You know, and and the fact of the matter is your body changes. Well, exactly. Right. So even
1: if you're not a mother, even if you don't have a child, the idea of keeping your body one way, I mean, Helen, you talked about people like, you know, sort of praising your body as a dancer, your body's going to change throughout time. So Mm -hmm. if your worth is about having that good body, Well, you're fucked. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Yeah, it's a setup for failure to have your body stick in one thing because our bodies change. We change. And they're meant to change. Yes. Yes.
0: You know, they're, they're meant to transform. And I think, you know, I hear people all the time saying, oh, you know, I'm not the same that I was like in my early 20s. Well, of course. No yeah, one oh, is <laughs> or like
2: in high school. Like you were a child in high school. You don't need to <laughs> exactly like like you're not meant to
0: have your child size body. Yeah,
1: goodness. Exactly. That should be creepy. <laughs> I mean,
0: that would be a problem. <laughs> good,
1: yeah, right. Like you're supposed to grow, you're supposed to change. But I mean, so I'm wondering, Helen. I would love to know from you. So, what do you do if a client comes in and is using a lot of these? negative self-talk or, um, you know, body negative diet culture stuff. How do you handle that professionally?
2: Well, I draw attention to it. I like, for instance, I had someone, uh, come in the other day talking about, um, like the, the skin bet- in the armpits, you know, that pops out there. Mm-hmm. And, and she, she was like, you know, she, she's very strong. And for the most part when we work together, um, you know, she, thinks about her movement as a way to feel really like to improve her balance and how it can improve her life coordination wise but I you know she had a moment we all have these moments I, I don't want to ever let anyone feel shame for having these thoughts pop up into her head because we're never gonna escape them it's how we react to them mm-hmm. but I was like it's breast tissue <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like yeah maybe there's some fat in it and we always work on chest stuff but finding peace with the fact that bodies look like that. And just because we see photos of bodies that don't look like that, that aren't real, it's lighting and angles and Photoshop. Photoshop. Yeah. Oh God. So it it's very, it's very dangerous. The the Photoshop. I, I used to think it wasn't that big of a deal. Like, you know, pre-recovery thinking like, Oh, I, I can see through what's real and what's not, but we really can't. No. The Some the. the Photoshop is incredible—the
0: incredible. way that they can change anything, anything—and and it really—it's—it's it's also so much more accessible to us with Fuck Instagram, social tune. media, yeah, like Face it's tune. ninety-nine cents, man. Un- <laughs> it's <laughs> unbelievable um, how accessible and and the images that yeah. that people are changing are so accessible. And so if you think about like you know young adolescents who are like seeing these images that like automatically, you know, when we were growing up, there was like magazines,
2: mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, there wasn't. Yeah. Which you wasn't. read like once a month, yeah, not like, exactly. like, like every day. That's
0: right? like it was damaging, but like to see these images- All the time. All the time um, is is really dangerous. I absolutely agree with you. And so, so, you know, that in this, we're kind of fighting against that in a lot of ways.
2: Yeah and I mean I think for a lot of people the first part of it is 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 awareness just because we've been so 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 deeply conditioned to believe that health is thinness and if we're not constantly in striving to make our bodies smaller then we're not focusing on our health and that we're lazy and all of this these other you know value sets that we put on the thin white woman and First, the first part of unpacking that is realizing that that's a thing.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, all okay, right. So then let's talk a little bit about, so with joyful movement, like intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. So t- tell me a little bit about your approach to intuitive eating and how you would sort of explain that to people.
2: Well, I really feel that when you're doing mindful movement, it's a way of increasing your intuition because again, it's, it's helping you strengthen this mind-body connection, your somatic awareness. And so I feel like they really, they work together. And as you get better at one, you get better at the other. And that it's never, a you know, it's the answer that nobody really likes is that it's not a, a destination that you really arrive at. It's an ongoing practice of, of tuning in and listening to your body and making your satisfaction, your your, your satiation, the goal of, of eating at least not of, of working out (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. or enjoying your working out, you know, should also be the goal of your movement practice rather than the thoughts that come up in your head. Like, Oh, I should be full by now. I should eat Mm -hmm. less of this because those thoughts come from beliefs about something about food. They don't actually come from physiological cues from your body telling you that you've had enough fuel and food Mm -hmm. to feel both emotionally, you know, Emotional pleasure and physical mm-hmm. en- and I, enough to survive. <laughs> right, and I think
0: I think that sometimes like those thoughts are coming into our heads without e- us even realizing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even just like recognizing that you're having those thoughts um, while you're eating, you know, I guess is is part of the intuitive eating yeah. is like yeah. recognizing what's coming up for you. It feels sometimes when we have automatic thoughts, they feel just so natural yeah yeah we think they're fact right
1: well especially if you grew up like you talked about before helen like if you grew up in a family right really diet culture and we have to understand this is a this is intergenerational trauma Mm -hmm. this has been passed down from our grandmothers to our mothers i mean the things that they were told that we were told right like like my grandmother had like some like very very weird eating habits Mm -hmm right that were totally normal for her time and
0: you know like corsets for example oh yeah corsets i just but we have them now with waist trainers it's it's unbelievable <laughs> i just watched um i think it was my strange addiction have you ever watched that <laughs> 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 watched my strange addiction this woman was addicted to court to like corsets, corsets yeah um, oh and her waist was like
2: nothing i've ever seen yeah. before um, in that, like, it probably has so much pelvic floor dysfunction because her yeah, <laughs>
0: organs had to
2: move in different yeah.
0: places. And so, so anyway, so yes, it's passed down. <laughs> I don't know how I got on that, but it, it's passed down <laughs> that like corsets was like a, it, yes. a big thing that, like, oh, you have to have a small waist. Yeah. That's what beauty is. And so that is passed down intergenerationally. Mm-hmm. Totally. And, you know, so it's really interesting
1: to think about you. So you talk about something, um, Helen, about uh, hunger cues, right? Mm -hmm. Like like when, and I think so many of us that have been doing, whether it is physical or mental restriction have lost actual hunger cues. Yep. Yep.
2: Right. Yeah. I, that's why I feel like the movement and the intuitive eating go so well together because the way that I cue my classes is drawing attention. Like it's high sensation. The classes are physically challenging for a reason, not to change what your body looks like, but to help you connect into what experiencing sensations in your body is like. If you are someone who has dissociated from your body from, for a very long time. And it's, this is, you know, something that I picked up from, my own journey and that I I had to make it obvious what I was feeling in my body. Otherwise I would feel like numb Mm. from in my entire center. So you, you, I think it's easier for people to maybe start with the practice of movement, of breath work, even if, if exercises, maybe if you're not a place in your recovery yet where you're ready to take on, on movement at all. Mm. Uh, But breath work also is a really physical experience that helps you, tune into what what these feelings show up like in your body. And then when that comes over into eating, now you're recognizing, okay, like when I'm hungry, you know, my throat's a little scratchy, I get a rumbling in my stomach, there's a pang. And maybe you notice it before it's that obvious, like, oh my God, if I don't eat right now, I'm going to like kill my fiance. Not- <laughs> or, you know, the Good same thing. <laughs> The overeating to the point where, you're no longer satisfied it actually feels really uncomfortable and bad but you weren't paying attention or you felt like there was some scarcity and you had to eat it as fast as you could and there was no no thought given to enjoying the texture and the smell and the the quality of the food and, and all of that so you're missing out on this amazing pleasurable experience and then also you know just feeling bad
0: Skeptical about custom beauty, I get it. My feet is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising to fix my fine lines and thinning hair, but when Prose says custom, they actually mean it. It's no gimmick. Your formula couldn't exist without you. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. They get personal. Prose covers everything from your concerns to your age, exercise, and stress levels in order to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. They asked me about my hair loss being genetic in my family, how long it takes for my hair to get oily after. After a wash, what products and tools I use to style my hair, and even my zip code to understand how the water hardness, UV index, and cold dry winter in Philly might be impacting me. Next, they recommended a full routine of truly personalized products, which were only produced after I placed my order. Nothing pre-mixed, nothing off the shelf. Since I switched to pros, I've noticed my hair is so much softer, shinier, and fuller. I keep getting asked if I got a blowout from the salon. But don't just take my word for it, In a third-party double-bind dermatologist-supervised- clinical-controlled study, aka the gold standard in research studies, Pros prove that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering my listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P R O S E.com slash shrinkchicks for your free consultation and 50% off your one of a kind formulas. Pros.com slash shrink checks say goodbye to the cheap razor era my friends, it's time to treat your body to the premium shave it deserves with Athena Club Em and I just got back from an amazing trip to the Caribbean to celebrate our 10 year anniversary of our practice the therapy group and in haste of packing because yours truly is a packing procrastinator I forgot my Athena Club razor at home and had to resort to using a subpar flimsy razor that left my skin feeling anything but smooth a mistake I will never make again the Athena Club hype is real, the shave is seriously the smoothest I've ever experienced, and that is especially evident after having to use another razor in its absence. Aside from the amazing smoothness, let me tell you why Athena Club's razor kit is a must have in your self-care routine. First off, can we talk about the price? At just $10, it's an absolute steal. But don't let the price fool you. This razor packs a serious punch. It comes with a beautifully made ergonomic handle and two super sharp razor heads that deliver an incredibly smooth shave every time. Plus, with the included magnetic hook storage is a breeze no more dealing with goopy blades or unexpected midnight shower crashing sound surprises and the quality of the shave is top notch those five precision engineer blades glide effortlessly leaving you a silky smooth skin every time plus the water activated serum and built-in skin guards ensure a comfortable irritation free shave are you ready to upgrade your shaving experience switch to the best razor on the market and show your skin you care with Athena Club head over to athenaclub.com to try their award winning razor and body products and get 20% off your first purchase with code shrink chicks at checkout. You can also find Athena club razors at your local target store. Trust me, you won't look back. Happy shaving.
1: Yeah. And, and, well, I love what you just said about pleasure, right? So, cause like, I think, you know, in the early two thousands, it was a big thing about like food is fuel.
2: Mm -hmm. And it's
1: just so much more than that. You know, I'm a big believer in our household. I mean, if you grew up in a household that also has connection around food, Mm -hmm. it is pleasure. It is community. It is culture, right? So also to make it that it's just fuel, it's more than that.
2: Totally. And I think this is maybe a whole other podcast, but I think women Mm -hmm. in particular also have a real disconnection from pleasure and allowing themselves to feel it and not feel guilt whether it's it's sexual or with food yep. that with is food. a whole We're other to be podcast so because you you to... <laughs> <sexual Well, laughs> it
1: also goes to you know you talk about disconnection and disconnection doesn't just happen with an eating disorder it happens often a lot with trauma so whether mm-hmm. that is diet trauma whether that's sexual trauma whether
0: that's physical emotional trauma right. something especially women will do is disconnect from their bodies and and i think that's something to note too that in becoming more intuitive Um, and mindful about what you're feeling um, in terms of eating might bring up some other emotions too, right? Like emotions that you've worked to disconnect from. And, you know, because if you're disconnected from your body, you might be disconnecting in other ways as well. So, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm wondering, does that ever happen for you where, you know, the more you're helping clients connect with themselves, that they, they start to connect with, um, maybe they, these emotions that they have dissociated from are pushed down.
2: Oh, absolutely! I've had people cry on the on the reformer before. Like stuff. People, there's just so much that you know. Like I was saying, sensation-wise, lives in our body. Um, yoga, yogic philosophy talks about that a lot. You know, like emotions in the hip and anger and and in, in I think the knees. And I think that's really interesting in terms of like a tactile relationship with your body. But yeah, trauma absolutely lives there. And I've had people, you know, like I go to manually adjust them and they just burst into tears because maybe they haven't, they haven't had any physical touch in a while, or they, you know, feel so uncomfortable. You having like, you know, a loving tender touch on them because they're so used to, Uh, you know, criticism or, or insert what the trauma is there, but it's all, it's all very physical. And as, as much as I always very clear with my clients, like I'm not, not a therapist. I'll have a million people that I would love to recommend you to. Um, But it's, it's all a one system, you know, same thing with the the muscles and the fascia and the nerves. There's really no such thing as spot training or, or spot fixing because it's all our bodies work in this wonderful synergy. Wow.
1: Now, and how you're also, you're a Reiki one and Reiki two, right? Yes, I am. So you also do, so do you ever combine fitness and Reiki together?
2: Uh, I, so for a lot of people, I think Reiki is like a little intimidating, maybe people who aren't like as exploratory in all, all the wellness stuff. Yeah. Um, so I do, I do try to integrate it into my fitness stuff to people who are, who are open to it. Um, but I do think that, you know, just physical touch, even without putting the label of Reiki on it is profoundly healing. So I am, I'm super missing that. Oh God. It's
1: so true. I mean, all of this stuff, I'm like a massive hugger
0: and like, this is so incredibly difficult to not hug Someone. right like if your love language is physical, physical touch, touch like this is a really tough time yeah, yeah like my a dog re- is on double duty <laughs> yeah, me too and my dog is like licking my face like constantly and usually I'd be like okay that's enough I'm like just keep going <laughs>
2: keep
0: on <all> going <laughs> take it to
1: another level for those of us who just didn't have healthy models of this sometimes you know these people in your life you know we'll call it your clinical team whether it's your fitness instructor your reiki person your therapist your fucking dentist Mm. if you feel love and support from your team for those of us who didn't grow up in a home that gave that it is so healing oh yeah Mm
0: -hmm. And how hard to be seen. Oh, Helen, I was gonna ask you too, like what is it like for you when you are having those kind of profound healing experiences with your clients? Um,
2: does that give to you at all on your healing journey? Absolutely. I think that I I don't think that I would be as far along in my recovery if I was not a practitioner, because it's really it reinforces to me to walk the walk that I, you know, and talk the talk. Mm-hmm. And anytime I have this this moment shared with with a client, whether it's in real life or online, it, it, it really integrates the process, the progress that I've made in my own recovery mm-hmm. and, I don't know, reinvigorates me to continue to be committed to it.
0: Yeah, because as, you know, as therapists, we have those experiences all the time, like seeing what progress our clients make, and it's just inspirational in a lot of ways for us to see that, and I just can imagine um, you kind of going through that experience as well.
2: Yeah, and this is something I picked up from from my therapist. Anytime I have, like, you know, a win where I realize, like, you know, five years ago going and doing this event would have given me incredible social anxiety and now I'm like I'm doing podcasts yeah, right? <laughs> but she makes me like sit with it she makes me say like how does that feel like that's a lot to that's a big journey like she yeah. makes me sit with it and basically like congratulate myself and so I also do that with with my clients and right. them. Right, because you they don't, nice
0: you know, when you're when you're living it every day, you don't realize the progress you're making, and so to have someone reflect it back is incredibly helpful. Absolutely. So we had we had some, we to get questions. I was just going to say we, have, that. we, we had some, some good questions for you, um, and you know, I think that these are really important, and I, I we really appreciate all the follower questions, um, and obviously we can't get to all of them, but but we brought up some good ones. Um, so we'll start with the first one. Hard to tell when I'm moving to love my body and feel good versus to lose weight and to look good. So how do you tell the
2: difference? Totally. I think I think somewhere deeply in there you you know what the what the urge or what the impetus was to get you to get on your mat or on the bike or whatever it is in the first place. And like we said movement is neutral. The movement itself is a good thing. So if you can step back and uh, maybe just pivot the the mindset and take it from, even if you got on the bike in the first place saying like, oh, I'm having a a bad body image day. Think of three other non-body image related reasons why moving is gonna be a positive impact on your day. The endorphin rush, more energy, open up your hips, whatever, whatever it is that your body is needing in that moment and how that's going to, enhance the way that you feel now is going to kind of train your brain to associate those reasons with moving. And I don't think that living in the world that we live in, we can stamp out a hundred percent those, those bad body image, like, you know, moments or, or days that pop up into our brain. But like I said before, no shame around that, just choosing to go a different way with it.
0: I love that. And you
2: can't see us,
0: but we're all looking at each other like, yes,
2: like shaking our head. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, So next question, how do I focus on movement for the sake of being happy and active, not focused on looks, which is like a similar question. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Similar, similar vibe. Definitely. I always, I I just wrote a blog on this actually about how to use affirmations in your practice, which I know sounds like so cheesy and, and woo woo, but Sometimes a little woo-woo is good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and it really, like like I said, using a few more reasons that have nothing to do with body image to kind of coach yourself and get yourself in that headspace in the first place. But then coming back to it during your practice, like maybe you're uh, an easy example. I always say this when I'm doing squat jumps. Like each time you come up, you're squeezing through your glutes, you're pressing your hips open, your heart is opening it's a super proud and confident, like taking up space posture. So what does it feel like to take up space if you're not someone who lets yourself do that?
0: Mm-hmm. Please Fully,
2: send over that blog so we can post it.
1: Yes, yes, yeah, we need, we're gonna have to do that. Okay. Uh, Absolutely. How do you do intuitive eating when you have no hunger cues?
2: Yes, yes. So I love, I love a body scan meditation just, you know, to calm down. But I also think it's really helpful before movement and before before during and after eating On, honestly before during and after movement too, so that you're you're basically training those those body awareness cues, so if you're someone who's super disconnected, which we all are at some point um, it's it can be hard to to feel like you're having that response or you're maybe just eating because it, it's like a meal time you know or there's many things that we do that don't actually have to do with our physiological sensations. So I think an easy little exercise to do there is, is writing down how it feels when you are hungry and having that kind of in the back of your mind to refer to so that you can compare bodily sensations. And if you're feeling disconnected, then maybe you need to do a little gentle stretching or or movement. I'm not saying a a whole workout, but something breath work, something physical that gets you grounded and in your body again.
1: That's great. When I was like first during my recovery, um, I always, my hunger cues came from leg aches. Like I didn't have a rumbly tummy. I didn't feel hungry. I could feel it in my legs. And so then I was like, right, like, and I think everyone's body is different. So like, mm-hmm. how do you listen to your body? And mm-hmm. it might not be, you know, sometimes we have a very, like, just not like simplistic idea. Oh, your stomach will feel hungry, right? right? But that's like, it. and this idea that you're
0: just supposed to know what the fuck. that or is. Or like, emotionally, it's gonna yes. come out. Like, if you're angry, that's kind of how I know I'm dehydrated too. <laughs> <Yeah>. Is <Isn't laughs> that <laughs> really angry? angry. If I get right, I'm like, why am I so anxious or angry? And usually, I'm just dehydrated. <laughs> I have not. I hate drinking water. Jen never i never never. I hate. This is really probably. It just really does not taste good to me. So I'm trying different things and trying seltzers, which I, is a whole. I'm good always experience. like, you need to have water. Yeah, <laughs> and I am really dehydrated all the time um so yeah it comes down like why do I feel so anxious and usually I'm just
1: dehydrated but it's funny though because so many people that have been immersed in diet culture they like say to themselves oh we'll drink water before you eat so you eat less right yes this is a huge thing people
2: trying to like intentionally teach people to push down the physical yes makes me so mad like the Fight hunger. Oh my God. So, like, like,
1: so water that should be this like gift of like, we're like giving to yourself. Yeah. Right. Has like become this like kind of like really fucked up thing because it's like made to restrict. Right. And so like it- some people have such a
0: complex relationship with this simple thing as water. And you're like training yourself to not be intuitive and like recognize your body cues. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I was talking about this with a client a few weeks ago that, you know, just like when you're trying to make, let's say your shoulders stronger, in the beginning, they're not going to be very strong and you're eventually going to get there. But training your body to to listen to these cues, you're going to have to take time, take the practice, put the work in, but also trust your body. If you don't, if you continually don't eat when your body's hungry, your body's going to learn to that you don't care about the signals right. and your intuition is going to get further and further away. You're going to get more and more detached. That makes
0: so much sense. Yeah. Okay. Next one's a really good question and specifically for myself too. <laughs> <laughs> I specifically need this for me learning when it's good to move despite being tired and when to rest when you are tired a lot. Mm.
2: Yeah. So this awesome. is like where it gets gray, right? Cause we don't want to move we don't want to move out of feeling like guilty for the fact that diet culture makes us feel like we should be moving, but there are definitely times where maybe you're just tired or maybe we all, sometimes we just have bad motivation days. you know it has nothing to do with the body image itself. so again, finding reasons why movement would be beneficial, and if you can't think of enough reasons, then maybe you do just need a rest day unpopular right. fitness opinion, but Sometimes exercise is not actually the answer. Uh, so again, a broken record, body scan, listen in, think of some reasons why it's going to be a productive movement session. And if you can't, then sounds like it's not the right thing in that moment.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Just hang on the couch. Give yourself a break. <laughs> but I say yes. myself way too often. <laughs> <laughs> Give yourself a break.
1: How does okay Helen how does intuitive eating oh, oh does intuitive eating take practice? yes how do you begin to yes the the answer is yes the answer is everything it's so funny how people think things should be so easy like i like marketing yeah it's it's so true well especially i hear this all the time with like couples like in relationships like why (laughs) is
0: marriage so hard because it's fucking hard Uh, that's i will that's (laughs) another total misconception that like if you meet the right person oh yeah it should be easy like that's a bunch of once
1: you listen to your body it will be easy it will be easy easy, oh no no
2: this takes work. once you listen to your body now you have the tools to continue down the process but it's probably always going to be confusing uh, yes. and uh, yeah that's an an unsexy answer because it's not like <laughs> 10 steps or 30 days or any of that but i think society has made us think that you know easy destination type thinking is attainable because that's an easy way to sell to people, but it's not really how things work. So yeah, it takes practice. It's ongoing. You can, pre- you could do intuitive eating for 20 years and then slip right back into disordered eating. It's like, you know, it's, it's choices that you make every day.
0: Absolutely. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, well, somebody says, so how do you begin to make the shift? Well, what's your recommendation for starting?
2: Um, well I think a huge thing is is your media intake like we said it has a whole a whole deeper influence on us than sometimes we're even conscious of so make sure that you have in terms of Instagram different types of bodies of all different sizes and races and genders on your feed you're not hearing just the same you know white person including myself mm-hmm. saying the same thing over and over again we need to be opening our minds to different ways of looking at things and how how wellness is experienced in different populations. Uh, and that's also sort of like, uh, what's the, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like a poor man's exposure theory, a therapy that you can do for yourself mm-hmm. to make sure that you're, you're not cutting all of that out of your life. And it's, it's coming up. I at, at not, not to the point where, you know, Instagram becomes an unbearable place for you to be because I'm fully, I fully believe in the power of blocking and muting when it's not productive, mm-hmm. or if it's triggering disordered thoughts, a hundred percent. But we should be looking at things that are different than maybe what we lo- learned in the seventh grade health class. Absolutely, it's Absolutely. like
0: intuitive scrolling. Yes. <laughs> oh Good, Intuitive right? everything. Intuitive everything. Be fucking Hell intentional, is.
1: y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Somebody had asked about some book recommendations. We are gonna post it on our Instagram. Helen has some as well. We're gonna post it because every time we say books, everyone just messages us anyway. And says,
0: what are the books? <laughs> because <laughs> right. I was
1: driving while listening. Right. <laughs>
0: right. So, so we- we'll just
1: post. It. We're gonna post a big book list. But Helen, quick answer, favorite book on the topic.
2: I mean the 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 seminal text is Intuitive Eating by Evelyn Tribble. There we go. Love there it. we go. All right, we're going to post some more. Helen, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun to, to dive deep into some of this stuff. Helen Feelin, where can everyone find you? So, my Instagram is Helen V, as in Victoria. Feelin, first name, last, first name, middle initial, last name. And my website is HelenFelanStudio.com. And on that website, you can find access to the online Pilates studio, which now has an app, which makes it easier to do mindful movement wherever you are. And What's I'm the gonna, app? It's, it's also called Helen Studio. <laughs> you know. I love it. And can people get um, a monthly membership or how could they join? Totally. There's a monthly and there's an annual membership, and I'm gonna send you, you all a code to get a little discount on that, so you can. amazing.
1: If you are looking to put some joyful, body-neutral movement back into your life to love yourself where you are, to strengthen yourself, check out Helen Feeling Helen Feeling Studios. We're gonna send and put post on all of our social media. Um the discount codes and how to find her. Helen,
0: thank you. Thank you so much. Here. And if you think that this episode would yeah. be helpful for a friend, send family member, acquaintance, anyone stranger, your one you know, your mailman. <laughs> send it on over to them. Um, help each other out. Helen, thank you so much. Thank you. Partners, we love you. Be kind to yourself, take care.